Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is the TeacherCast podcast, and today we're going to be talking all about artificial intelligence and how we can use it in our classrooms. I have a fantastic guest talking to me about what is going on in the world of AI, STEM education, and you know, we gotta hit that topic. What is gonna be happening in our classrooms today? But first I wanna bring on our co-host and our very special friend, Mr. Matt Friedman. Matt, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is a very relevant topic uh, in light of everything going on. So I'm excited to talk to Justin today. I'm absolutely excited to talk to Justin. Of course, I want to remind everybody out there that we've got three amazing virtual conferences coming up on August 8th. We're doing one all about tech coaches that I'd love to have you guys join us. Backing up a few weeks on July 25th, we're doing one all around G Suite education. And if you're checking out this one this week, we have had our Microsoft Education Virtual Conference on July 11th as we celebrate our nine-year anniversary. One more time, guys, I want to say thank you so much for bringing TeacherCast into your world and making it a home for your professional development. I want to bring on today our guest today, Dr. Justin Alio. Guys, hi, Justin, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Matt. It is good to see you guys here. Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I currently serve as the Director of Academic Achievement and District Innovation for the Montour School District. Also serve as a visiting fellow at Carnegie Mellon University and STEM professor at, Cal I'm sorry, fellow at Carnegie Mellon University and STEM professor at, at California University of Pennsylvania. So somebody who is working in a lot of these upper universities, I gotta start with this question. What are you guys thinking about for this year? Are you hearing any of these universities that are not bringing in students? What's going on with you guys? You know what? It's it's a mix. Um, different guidelines every day popping up. And we're just thinking what's best for kids at this point, whether it's safety, education, we're talking to our community, talking to our teachers, talking to stakeholders involved, and putting together several plans. And so when we get closer to the date, we can make a decision, but as of right now, we have a virtual town hall meetings coming up with our community at the end of July. We push some options out to our families to get them kind of get their uh, feedback on a few things, but just preparing, just uh, talking to teachers, getting our platform set up and running and working with some, some great partners. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll see what happens. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about STEM today because this is something that's near and dear to my heart and you know to what I do in my school. I'm trying to figure things out as everybody else is. When we think of STEM, we think of group projects. We think of getting your hands dirty. We think of sharing and moving around the room and, and having a good time. But now we have to think about STEM in a little different light. What are you recommending that we look at when it comes to STEM and distance learning or social distancing? 
Yeah, I think, first of all, STEM's embedded in everything we do. It's 2020. Whether it's literacy, math, anything, STEM has to be part of the conversation. So it's no longer just this project we do for fun. It has to be embedded because you look at all the job fairs, the the, uh, the predict, prediction, uh, predictions that are coming out when it comes to workforce development. It's all STEM-related fields. So how can we incorporate that? And I actually look at this, what happened back in March when we had these school shutdowns as kind of a way to push educators to move a little bit more it comes to digital citizenship working collaboratively online with, uh, with each other doing projects like you said pushing people to think more technology like that to align more with community nonprofits and businesses so uh, how does social distancing fit into all of that these days so that's a good question so we can be uh sociable uh, I have a 13, 11, and 7-year-old online, and it's important that we need to teach those skills. So whether it's social distance physically, we need to be careful about that. We need to put safety first. But I think we have an opportunity right now to really teach good social skills, how to be good digital citizens online, because when we do come back in person or we don't come back in person or it's a blend, we still have that online digital social uh, environment that we have to adapt to now. Now you keep saying online, I have to ask the question, are the days of robotics teams on hold for right now because you can't get elbow to elbow on a little, you know? No, I think I think you have to think differently. We, we just built a uh, eSports arena in our high school. It's a 280 square foot uh, video wall. Actually, we, we competed this spring we had one sports team at our high school, our e-sports team, and we made the playoffs for the first year. So maybe robotics looks looks a little bit different. Maybe robotics is through virtual settings, but maybe robotics is now through video games and using that or simulators as well. We can simulate virtually doing robotics. It doesn't have to be piece by piece. We have to, again, look at it differently because you look at simulations and taking large amounts of data into place you know we can do that virtually right now it doesn't have to be get get your tools and fix it you can do those things online right now in a virtual world well so you were talking about esports uh what opportunities have you had for your students at montoro has it been k-12 has it just been secondary students yeah. uh, how have you kind of pivoted with everything that's going on yeah, we just started at the high school level. Uh, we actually had a group of students interested in doing it, a teacher and then a principal. And then we kind of got into it. We got a grant to build this amazing esports arena. Obviously, kids can't come to the school and do it, but we can compete online. We have a 5v5 League of Legends, League of Legends team. We have a 3v3 uh, Rocket League team. They compete not just against other high schools, but they also compete against uh, universities like Robert Morris University against college students online. So our students are learning, I think, valuable skills. But we started at the high school. Eventually, we do want to work it down in the middle, uh, middle school and elementary. But as maybe you know, Matt, we have a Minecraft room at our elementary school where students, again, don't have to physically sit in the Minecraft room, but we could teach Minecraft virtually now across the board as well. So one of the big things that we want to talk to you about today, uh, and it, even though it's really kind of gotten out there nationally since 2018, you were the first school district in the United States, really, to create and implement a middle school AI program. Yep. Uh, talk to us about what that program is and in 2020, how it's going and how it evolved, because I think it's 
it was so forward thinking and amazing. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's something that a lot of people really need to hear about uh, from its origins up through the present. Yeah, well, I think about innovation. I think of it's, it's called about listening and supporting. So when we built our brand new elementary school, we had a Lego room, we had a Minecraft room, but our middle school, very high academically achieving school, but our principal, he wanted more for his students. He wanted them to become uh, experts at data literacy, better in STEM inquiry. And so that was January of 2018 or well, February 2018. During the Super Bowl, that's when Microsoft launched their first national AI commercial with Common, the actor and musician. We talked about AIs everywhere, AIs here, AIs there. And that was really the first AI mainstream commercial. Well, that spring of 2018, Carnegie Mellon University launched, uh, they will be uh, launching its first AI undergrad program in the uh, fall of 2018. So it started making us think, hmm, data literacy, STEM inquiry, what is this artificial intelligence? And we dug deeper into it. The World Economic Forum report came, uh, report came out in 2022. It ranked AI as a top uh, two job skill that uh, workers are looking for. And that's in 2022. Well, those are high school students right now getting ready to graduate in 2022. So we put all the pieces together. We reached out to Carnegie Mellon University. We reached out to MIT, Google, um, uh, Ready AI, all these companies, Amper Music, and I said, hey, tell us more about AI. What's your direction? And we reached out to schools across the country. A lot of schools said, you know what? I was, uh, I was thinking about doing AI, but I don't know. We know we need to do it, but I just don't know now. So we said, you know what? AI was discovered in Pittsburgh in 1956 with uh, Herb Simon and his team. Uh, undergrad, undergrad education at Carnegie Mellon University was the first here. Why not Montour and Pittsburgh be the first uh, K-12 educational school systems launching in the fall of 2018? And so we reached out to the partners, our teachers, we brought it to our teachers because our core values are putting children first, supporting a growth mindset and creating a learning culture. We had the culture in to allow the AI to come in and do what's best for kids. Our teachers embraced it. They say, hey, we'll have fun learning along the way because we know at the end of the day, this is important for kids and we need to teach it. So in the fall of 2018, we launched autonomous robotics courses, machine learning courses, uh, music uh, AI courses, AI ethics, where we actually had uh, Ms. Blakely Hoffman from MIT come to our campus to teach 30 AI ethics courses with our students. And then January of 2019, we launched a, we called, what we called the AI Grand Summit. We had 100 students um, showcase what they've learned to people representatives from Google that came came into town, uh, the Secretary of Education, uh, foundations, superintendents, uh, universities, all came to this grand showcase and they walked away and they said, wow, this is amazing. I learned more about AI in the last 45 minutes than I think I will the rest of my lifetime, people walking out. So we felt great about it. The students were energized about it. And now in 2020, we teach a K through 12 we use mainly Google AI experiments in the elementary building. We still use some of our uh, original programs in our middle school and in our high school. We partner with AI for All to do a class called Explore AI, where uh, students would go through that program. But just teaching AI and students being consumers of AI wasn't good enough. We also wanted them to be producers of AI. So if you are around a uh, an Alexa device right now, you can say, Alexa, launch Montour High School. 
and it'll be our students on Alexa. So we're actually programming AI voice assistance machines right now, but we're also using AI in the classroom right now. So when we talk about predictive analytics, well, when our students were sitting at home in the spring, learning at home virtually or remote, we were, were able to track what students are doing through their ed tech. So when they come back in the fall, we could see the progress they made to help prepare instruction, to help uh, assess students. We hear all these things. When students come back in the fall, we need to assess them right, right away to see what they know and what they don't know. We don't necessarily need to do that because from March until June, we're getting all that data from what students have learned or what, the, what they haven't learned. So when we come back in August and what, whatever way that looks like, we have information on that. So again, we're teaching AI students being consumers, being producers of AI, and our teachers are using AI together now to inform their, uh, the learning process. I mean, that's amazing, amazing stuff. I mean, it's so much, but tell the audience how you can get started. If you're not Montour School District and you don't have, you don't have those dots to connect, even though you have an amazing open door policy and have been very gracious with hosting school districts from all over to come in and see the work, the amazing work that you're doing in the district, how do they get? How does someone get started? Yeah, so I get this question all the time. Uh, I do these phone conferences with school districts across the country. Um, so everybody knows why AI. Everybody knows uh, what AI and what tools are out there, resources. But what you said, that H O W word, how how do you incorporate it? Well, that kind of really comes down to the community. We have a great board of education. We have a great superintendent. We have great principals and teachers that embrace this through cultural, to, through cultural experiences. But I will tell you this, it has to be a way that has to be inclusive and taught to all students, in my opinion, because if AI is not taught to all, then AI should not be taught at all because it widens that equity gap. We need to close that gap and teach it to all students, first of all. So what we did, we incorporated through our elective courses because all students have to take certain elective courses like library, computer science. So we built many courses within these elective courses to teach AI, but schools call me all the time. How can we do this? I said, that's the decision that you, first of all, have to go in and say, okay, I know the tools I'm using, but bring people together in the room and say, okay, how can we do this? And I know that when people sit down and they look at it, they'll find a way to get it done, but there's no magic solution just to take something and pluck it in. You have to find a way to plucks in for your community. And there's easy ways to do that. I think like Google AI experiments, they have dozens and dozens of experiments. If you're a teacher, have your students get on, play with it for one day. And then the next day say, okay, Narrow it down to your two favorite. So students narrow it down to your two, two favorite. Okay, next day, pick your favorite AI experiment. And here, I want you to complete, what is the AI experiment? What did you learn from it? And at the end of class, I want you to present to your peers two minutes. You'll be amazed in those three days what students have learned about AI and also what are they sharing about AI. And if you bring a professor in the background or parents in, They'll be like, whoa, that's amazing. How long did you do this? Three days. Because we had students sit down. We gave them voice. We gave them choice. We gave them meaningful content. We let them pick it. We let them share it. We, we gave them an audience to share it in front of. Those simple things like that, you can go, they can go a long ways with it. So to me, I, I mean, you've come so far in such a short amount of time. 
and people have to realize that the phone calls that you get, they have to realize that it's not plug and play. It's really kind of understanding big picture of what AI is. But but I guess a question that I have is you've come this far with AI. So what's next? What, what's next? Yeah, we're just gonna, same thing we started back in 2018. It could be something where, you know, we started AI because there is a need. Like I said, the World Economic Forum report came out. If you Google right now AI jobs, there's over 300 million jobs open right now. But to me, the biggest thing is the equity gap. If we're teaching AI and a school district next to us is not teaching AI, you know, the equity gap is going to continue to go like this. So we need to share. We need to share the resources. We need to go forward with it. But it cannot be AI tomorrow. So that's that's the thing. Like people say, well, AI. Well, AI is important now. Maybe 10 years from now, it's something else. And that's our job as educators. Uh, and I want to stress that. That's our job as educators. Jeff started off talking about STEM. Well, STEM 50 years ago looks a lot different than STEM today. And STEM 10 years from now is going to look a lot different. We, need, as educators, need to be nimble and, and, and adjust to what we do to meet our students' needs, not our needs, our students' needs. And so with AI, it really depends, Matt, on what are the needs of our students and how can we successfully prepare them to move forward? Because like um, reading and math, it influences all the decisions that are made around the world. Well, tell me right now, one person that doesn't use AI every single day of their life and tell me one person that's not influenced by decisions that are made through AI in their life, financial decisions, security decisions, Netflix, YouTube, your phone, it's all AI. We all use AI every day. I like going to a conference and starting out by saying, everyone raise your hand right now or stand up. Every single person, your hand is up or you're standing up because you use AI every single day. It's no longer the future, it's the present. Well, it's funny. I think a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And I think probably people are pretty surprised that they use AI on a daily basis. And that was kind of going to be my next question. Uh, Maybe give us a few examples of how we use AI, not only outside of the walls of the schools, but how we actually use AI in schools, maybe on a daily basis. Well, let's go back first and say, what is AI? What is artificial intelligence? I was on a, um, a morning talk show on Sunday morning one time and a a gentleman asked me, goes, tell us what AI is. And I said, well, let's take it down a level. If you ask many people, they have different definitions of it. Uh, There's different subsets of AI. Uh, But if you just kind of break it down for this, what is artificial? Well, it's fake things, right? Uh, Things that are not real. What's intelligent? Well, it's things that are smart. Well, put them together. You have fake smart things. (laughs) Now that's, that's the simple definition that you know we can go obviously a lot deeper than that but that's what kind of what we need to focus on first is people have to understand what ai is do a little research on it and then start looking around and say hmm what are some things i use how, how i use ai every single day if, you, if i go to a financial advisor or better yet if i go to a hospital um our superintendent is very knowledgeable around the subject. And he said, you know, I went home, I talked to my mother, she's a nurse. And I always said, hey, we're teaching AI to middle school kids, high school kids. She goes, oh, that's awesome. I use AI every day. 
He goes, what are you talking about? How do you use AI every day? You're a nurse. And she goes, well, that's how we determine what people need for their uh, medical care. My mother, you know, she went through uh, um, uh, chemotherapy and uh, she's in remission right now. But I talked to the doctor and I said, how do you know what kind of medicines and this and that? He goes, well, we use smart technology, artificial intelligence and so forth. There's a 13 year old two years ago when the National Science Fair contest by using AI to do, uh, come up with a possible treatment for uh, pancreatic cancer. And they asked him, they said, why AI? And he goes, I don't know. I guess I was curious about it and I mm -hmm. wanted to learn more about it. To me, that, that's what it comes down to is like, no matter where you look, AI is involved somehow, some way. I mean, when I, what really the, 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 the uh, light bulb that sparked it for me was I was sitting in the spring of 2018. I was sitting on a couch with my kids. We were watching Double Dare from Nickelodeon where the green slime comes down on you. And the question on Double Dare was, what does AI mean in computer science? My kids all shouted out artificial intelligence. They slapped the buzzer and said artificial intelligence. And I looked at, at them and I said, how did you know? How do you know this? And my son looked at me and he said, Dad, we use AI every day on my Xbox. Mom, when she looks at her phone, when I watch YouTube. And so one thing I left out was that when I went to the school the next day after that, in the spring of 2018, I pulled a group of middle school kids together. And I said, tell me about AI. And I said, who taught you this? Same thing like my son said, nobody. It's just in our life. It's everything we do. I'm like, holy cow, we are failing in education for not capitalizing on this efforts right now. But that's the, that's the aha moment. And I never would have predicted I might need AI to predict that double dare would have come into our conversation today. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, so that's kind of, you know, look at simulations and, and predict and think, um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, I tell kids all the time, you know, for a definition of AI, when we look at, um, oh, give us a you know, better definition of AI. I said, okay, so think of it like this. AI uses data, okay, and it makes um, a prediction um, uh, through, through an algorithm. So think like this. Okay, Google, tell us the weather today. So you ask the Google about the weather. It's looking for data. It's programmed through an algorithm to make a prediction of what the weather is going to be outside tomorrow. So that may be your simplest definition of AI, but we have Google at our house. We have five or six devices. And I mean, we don't use a radio anymore. We don't use encyclopedias. We don't use any, they, my kids don't even ask me questions anymore. They just go straight to Google and ask the Google questions. Justin, I, I love your concept of, you know, we use it because it's there. We use it because we pick it up. A lot of teachers are going to listen to this and go, what is that first step? I know we covered that a little bit, but talk to us a little bit about professional learning. We have a lot of tech coaches that listen to this. They want to bring these things in. They want to introduce it to their teachers. How do you bring in these concepts to somebody who's not quite yet even embracing regular technology? If you were a tech coach and you wanted to help uh, you know, implement this into a district, what advice do you have for those people that are out there looking to say, how do I bring this in? Yeah, number one, we 
did not go to school to become artificial intelligence experts. We, we went to school to be educators. And as educators, we have to prepare kids for the future and teach them what's, you know, what's important and not. And so I think that's the first step. When I sat down with my uh, first group of teachers, five teachers, and I said, we're going to teach artificial intelligence. What do you think about that? They looked at me like, I don't know anything about artificial intelligence. I said this, though. Do you think kids should know it? What happens if you taught all your kids artificial intelligence? Where do you think they will be a couple of years from now when they leave here? Oh, they'll be a lot better off than me. They'll probably get a job right away. They may get a job uh, to help cure cancer or something like that. And I said, okay, would you want to teach it? Well, I don't know anything about it. I said, I don't know anything about it either. Mm -hmm. And like the one, the one teacher jumped up and said, but it'll be fun to teach them along the way. I'll, I'll have fun teaching it and learning it with them. If that's okay, I may make mistakes. And I was like, I make mistakes every day. It's okay. But if we truly do what's in the best interest of kids, then let's do it. So Jeff, that would be my advice is don't look at the content. Look what's best for kids because the content's out there. Uh, the resources are now out there through AI for All, a free open source platform. MIT's curriculum now, AI Ethics, free open source platform. Google AI Experiments, free open source platform. So we have the resources, we have the tools to teach it. It all comes down to everything when education and life comes down to a mindset. Do what's best for kids, have a growth mindset, and move forward with it because we're not going to be you no know, not just technology i have social studies teachers i have english teachers coming to me and say hey i like to teach my kids about ai because i'm doing this writing assignment and they're asking me how does the computer know uh to to edit my work for me and i was like well that's artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and so we teach them a little ba basic background on well how does that how does google through google docs tell or through gmail autocorrect you or predict what you're going to say. So kids are curious about it. They want to learn about it. And the teachers want that information and they're hungry to share it with their students. Well, it's refreshing to hear that it wasn't uh, an initiative, a district initiative. You're, you're building capacity in a grassroots way, it sounds like, and uh, really helping people connect with us on their own, right? And I applaud you for that because I think that really helps you know, something like this grow and understanding the why. And uh, I think that's important. So you guys at Montour are trailblazers in this, uh, you know, starting in 2018. As I mentioned, you were the first, you really implemented the first middle school curriculum and expanded from there. So if people are interested in this, Jeff and I both alluded to it, how do people get in contact with you and the district to kind of talk further about this? I mean, we, we give tours uh, pre-COVID. We, we give 200, 250 tours. I mean, a year, you, you toured our school district. And, um, you know, you can email A-G-L-I-O-J at MontourSchools.com. Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. At my first name, last name, at Justin Alio um, is my handle. Um, but I, I think if we talk to our superintendent, he talked to my peers, my peer administrators. He talked to our teachers. We're welcome to reach out to any of us. Uh, our board of education has been nothing but superb, leading the way. Our super, like I said, our superintendent. Really, everyone across the board 
uh, has this cultural mindset and doing what's best for kids. So uh, if you if uh, you know if you're able to tour, great. If you're able to just reach out and connect, I'll share anything I have with you. I think that's another powerful thing is that uh, we want to share this. We started this because we knew we were going to make mistakes along the way. We wanted to share those mistakes with other people so they didn't have to make those mistakes. But I will say as educators and hopefully, you know, the two of you and Matt, you know this well, that, you know, we're in this together for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. And the more we work together, then the more opportunities there are for our kids. Yeah, Justin, honestly, I was excited to have you on today. Uh, Montour is doing so much amazing thing, you know, so many amazing things regionally, statewide, and, and nationally. Uh, you really understand the concept of collaboration and sharing and realizing uh, we're all in this together, especially after everything that we've gone through over the past four or five months. Uh, I think people are realizing even more how much we need to lean on each other and support each other and uh, collaborate and share the ideas that w- that we have because at the end of the day you said it best it's what's it's what's best for students yeah and, and if you have great ideas coming out of your school district there's no reason why we can't share those across the board so i think this has you know been a tremendous conversation and a, and a great forum to really share all the amazing things that you've been doing Hey, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Matt, and uh, thanks for having me on your show today. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to, to share, and uh, we're just really thankful to be part of networks like the Remake Learning Network and Digital Promise and other networks that I'm involved with to, to you know, share, and we have a great uh, community here in Pittsburgh to be able to do that, and like I said, I work with some great, great people, and there's no way I can do anything without the people around me. They just, they lift me up every day. Lead, they lead the way. And like I said at the beginning, I believe innovation is about listening and supporting. And that's my job. I try to listen and support uh, educators, students in our community. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, you know, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, of course, we're going to have all of the links over in our show notes over on the Teacher Cast podcast. You can check out all the great stuff. And I got to say, Justin, as a middle school teacher trying to figure out what to do this year with a student population who can't get elbow to elbow. I'm going to be looking into this. I've got a lot of notes that I've taken down for our show notes. Don't forget to check it out and check out all the great stuff over at justinalio.com. Is that correct? You got it, man. And of course, we'll make sure that we have everything there. Matt, where can we find all the great things that you're doing in your neck of, neck of the woods? I think the best place is Twitter at M Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N, capital P-G-H. And, of course, don't forget to check out all the great podcasts on every single Monday. We have Ask the Tech Coach, your home for instructional technology coaches. If you're looking to be a podcaster, blogger, speaker, writer, or anything that has to do with building your EDU brand, check out the brand-new Jeff Bradbury show every single Wednesday and Friday morning. And, of course, the TeacherCast podcast is going live and strong every single week during the summertime. And I want to say one more time thank you to Justin and thank you to Matt. And thank you guys for making TeacherCast your home for professional development on behalf of everybody here on TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. 
please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teacherCast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.